0: We are live with episode number 331 of the Sean Sports Thought Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, I'm going to cover the biggest news in sports and give my opinion on everything going on. Obviously, there's a lot to talk about with the conference championship games in the NFL. A little bit of basketball, but let's get right into it. I'm going to start off with the UFC. You are probably well aware, but I'm going to give my take on what happened Dustin Poirier pulled off the upset in the UFC 257 main event with a second round TKO win over Conor McGregor at Yaz Island in Abu Dhabi United Arab Emirates on Saturday McGregor had the edge in a back and forth first round before Poirier came back strong in the second round and stunned Conor with a knockout win it was the calf kicks that were absolutely absolutely devastating for uh, Poirier for McGregor uh, by Poirier those calf kicks I mean after one round Conor had no legs under him and if you watch the fight, you'll see that that last calf kick, I mean, McGregor had no legs under him and Poirier went in for the finish. I was telling my friends, I was telling everyone that Poirier would win. I was not confident enough, however, to actually put some money on Poirier because I, I thought he would win, but, you know, in a sport like MMA, it's it's not a sport that I like to bet on, but I, I, w- I was confident in a Poirier win. He's been active, and that's what McGregor said after the fight. He wasn't active. His last fight was last January 2020 against Cowboy Cerrone in a different weight class entirely. Uh, McGregor is now 1-2 and two in the lightweight division, beating Eddie Alvarez and losing to Khabib Nurmagomedov and Dustin Poirier. So uh, it's a big loss for McGregor, but this does set up a potential marquee trilogy with Poirier. He also has the potential Nate Diaz trilogy to talk about. As for Dustin Poirier, and there, with Khabib Nurmagomedov technically still being the lightweight champion, and him being retired, him being on the fence, him saying that he would only come back if one of the four lightweights between Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler, and Dan Hooker would impress him at UFC 257. That's the only reason he would come back. Dana White has already came out and said that Khabib told him that he's above all these guys, which I believe he is, and he's proven that. I mean, he has he mauled Conor, he mauled Poirier. Khabib is a different beast. But as for Poirier, he I I, I agree with him. He is the Uncron champion. Uh, I mean, he's beat he's beaten Max Holloway twice, Justin Gaethje, Conor McGregor. He's fought Khabib. He is the Uncron lightweight champion. Let's be honest, if Conor won this fight, they would give him the belt. But since it's Poirier, I guess they're hesitant. Uh, Maybe they can make the third fight with Conor for the belt. But personally, what I think should happen is I think Dustin Poirier should fight Charles Oliveira for the belt. I think he's most deserving. Most people uh, don't know who that is, if not uh, a McGregor trilogy. There's an Diaz fight that Poirier can have. He already called him out. They've been been, uh, going at it. Uh, the number one contender matchup I think should be Justin Gaethje versus Michael Chandler. There's been also talks of Michael Chandler. You know, he's only one UFC fight in, but he had a very convincing uh, knockout. First round knockout win over Dan Hooker, who was a top lightweight, won five brutal rounds with Dustin Poirier last year. Uh, Michael Chandler, you know, decimated him in one round. So he immediately somersaulted himself literally and figuratively into the title picture. But I still think Chandler should have one more fight. I don't believe he should be fighting for the title after one fight. That's a little ridiculous if you ask me that. That's a big slap in the face to guys like Charles Oliveira, Tony Ferguson, all these guys that are in this division. So I think Charles Oliveira should fight Poirier for the belt with Justin Gaethje fighting Michael Chandler for the number one contender spot. Obviously, Conor, obviously the the money and the marquee fight in Conor versus Poirier or Conor versus Nate would supersede uh, any of the fights that make sense according to the rankings. Um, so yeah, going back to the fight though, uh, um, McGregor immediately went on the attack as Herb Dean actually had to send him back to his corner before officially starting the bout. I mean, Connor looked like he was going after it and he looked, he looked sharp in the first round. I th- I thought, that, and I, I knew that it was going to go this way. I knew that if Connor didn't get the very, very early stoppage, it would be a, a rough night. My personal prediction was a stoppage by Poirier in the fifth round. I didn't think he would knock Connor out in the second round. I thought there'd be a fifth round stoppage. Keep in mind that before this fight, Conor McGregor had never been knocked out or stopped um, in a professional mixed martial arts fight. He had only been submitted, uh, famously by Nate Diaz and Khabib Nurmagomedov. So, yeah, it's a, it's an absolutely huge win for Poirier. It's now 1-1 uh, in, their, in their trilogy. So we'll see what's going to be next. We'll see what's going to be next. Um, we'll see what's going to be next for Conor. We'll see what's going to be next. For maybe maybe we can see a Dustin Dustin Poirier versus Max Holloway uh, fight, but I mean Dustin already beat him twice. Unfortunately, I think it would be a much different, a much different fight. But there is no narrative of a sort of of a sort of trilogy. So that is my takeaway from UFC 257. Lots of UFC coming up too. You got Kamaru Usman and Gilbert Burns for the middleweight. Excuse me for the welterweight title. At UFC 258, then UFC 259 is loaded at the top. You got Israel Asanya against Jan Balkovic for the lightweight belt. You got Peter Jan and Sterling. You got Amanda Nunes. That's a loaded card. And then UFC 260, the heavyweight. Stipe Miacic, the UFC heavyweight champion, defending his belt against the boogeyman, Francis Ngannou, who's been knocking things out left and right. Obviously, Stipe, speaking of trilogies, won his with Daniel Cormier. And if Stipe can beat Francis Ngannou and then potentially John Jones, he is undoubtedly indubitably in my opinion the greatest pound-for-pound pound MMA fighter of all time but those are two huge ifs yes he already beat Ngannou but that was many years ago and Ngannou is a different beast he absolutely schooled Ngannou it was 30 to 24 he dominated that fight completely uh just it was a it was an absolute martial arts lesson that Stipe Mihajic taught Francis and Ngannou but we'll see this is going to be a much different fight that's the UFC 260 main event and with that I am transitioning to the NFL, the Houston Texans are reportedly expected to request second interviews with Eric Bieniemy and Leslie Frazier for their head coaching vacancy. Both candidates are reportedly already beginning to assemble staffs in case they land the role. So it seems like both candidates are confident in the fact that they will get the role. The head coaching hire will be extremely important for Houston as quarterback Deshaun Watson's future remains uncertain. There's going to be an update on him later on right after this. Schefter previously reported Watson was, quote, furious about the process of hiring general manager Nick Kajiro. Um. He wasn't consulted on that. According to Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald, Watson reportedly wants to trade to the AFC East, with the New York Jets being a top option ahead of the Miami Dolphins. Interesting that he would rather be on the Jets than the Dolphins. I'm not sure why. It's unknown if any coach would be able to convince Watson to stay, but the quarterback has spoken to Patrick Mahomes about Biennemi in the past. Biennemi has been arguably the most successful offensive coordinator in the NFL over the past three years with the Kansas City Chiefs. But, I mean, let's be honest, that's a Kansas City Chiefs offense. That has Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, uh, Le'Veon Bell. I mean, you put Bill O'Brien to be the offensive coordinator. I mean, he might fuck it up, but most competent coaches would have a sensational offense with that kind of talent. They led the league in total yards from scrimmage and twice, twice in three of those seasons, including in 2020. While obviously the 2019 team, 2019 team went on to win the Super Bowl. More on the Chiefs later and the other conference championship games. Speaking of Deshaun Watson, here's an update on on, uh, his mentality. No matter who the Houston Texans hire as their next head coach, Deshaun Watson's mind is reportedly made up about wanting to leave the organization. So it seems like he has – that he absolutely wants out. But this is interesting because he's under contract. So the Texans, I believe, could uh, technically – just say you have to play for us and we're not going to trade you but i think they should and he has a no trade clause so i could see him going to the jets um wonder what would happen to sam Darnold. perhaps he would find a new home i could see sam Darnold on the patriots maybe replacing cam newton but then where would cam newton end up he's a free agent there are lots of dominoes here um watson has been advocating for chiefs offensive coordinator eric benamy who i just talked about as the replacement for bill o'brien um but we'll see we'll see obviously the um, you know, quote, it's no secret he's disappointed in a lack of communication during the hiring process. Owner Cal McNair said per the Houston Chronicle. So if the owner knows, if you're the owner and you know why your franchise quarterback, why your franchise, I'm, not, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, why your franchise is upset. Why why are you letting that happen? It makes no sense to me. Speaking of things that make no sense, this guy's greatness is it makes no sense. <laughs> You just can't keep Tom Brady out of the Super Bowl. Once again, the future Hall of Famer is headed to the big game after Sunday's 31-26 win over the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game at a very cold Lambeau Field. Brady continued his fantastic age 43 season. Very impressive, but he does have a bit of an all-star team. He threw for three touchdowns and three interceptions in the win. Um, The fact that the Green Bay Packers only put up three points as a result of forcing three turnovers is inexcusable. You have to do more with that. Tampa Bay will now be the first team in the history of the NFL to play a Super Bowl in their own home stadium. So they've been they've been a road team for for the duration of these entire playoffs, but they will be in their own home stadium in the Super Bowl during a game that's supposed to be that's supposed to have a neutral venue. Obviously they're going to be at home. But it wasn't all roses. I mean, he had three second-half interceptions. It allowed the Packers to nearly erase a 28 to 10 deficit and pull off a very very surprising comeback i honestly think they were going to do it we all know we all know that one moment you were they were down eight points fourth and goal with about two minutes left you have the greatest in my opinion the greatest quarterback of all time in aaron Rodgers. you have a sensational historic offense Rodgers is playing at an mvp level and you kick on fourth and goal i mean it makes no sense to me and it was matt Lafleur's decision don't get me wrong. He's a sensational head coach. He's led the Packers to two straight NFC Championship games, both of which have been losses to the 49ers last year, to the Buccaneers this year. Previously, he was the offensive coordinator of the Titans and the Rams under Sean McVay. So the guy is a sensational coach. But I don't know that I've ever seen a decision as pussy-like. I'm just going to say it, as pussy-like as that. I mean, I don't understand it. And even, and just from a logical, just from a, I don't, I haven't seen any argument of any kind from anybody as to why they kicked the ball in that spot. You're down eight points. I understand if you're playing, I don't know, Washington and um, whoever their quarterback is. What's that guy's name? Taylor Heineke. I understand you take that chance. You 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 know make it a five-point game. Rely on your defense who's been god-awful to possibly get a stop on Heineke but you're playing Tom Brady in the NFC championship game in a huge legacy game for Aaron Rodgers who will continue to, i mean there's going to be that continuous argument of he only has one ring Tom Brady has 6 Tom Brady is going to his 10th Super Bowl 10th Super Bowl he's not nearly as talented as Rodgers but yet he finds a way always 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 to get it done that's something that you can't you can't knock that you can't knock that away from Tom Brady he always finds a way to get it done So I just, I don't, that decision absolutely boggled my mind. It made no sense to kick the ball on fourth and goal. You, I mean, let's say, let's say it's fourth and goal and they go for it and it's incomplete. For example, it's the same. You're still down. You still need a touchdown if you, okay, let me put this into perspective. Let's say they kick the field goal. They make it, which they did yesterday and they stop. The Buccaneers and Tom Brady, let's say a minute is off the clock. You have the ball with a minute left in the game, down five points. So you still need a touchdown. You still need a touchdown to win the game. Otherwise, let's say it's fourth and goal. Obviously, you get the touchdown and the two-point conversion. It's a tie game. But let's say you don't. Let's say it's incomplete on fourth and goal. The Buccaneers start in their own end zone. They start in their own end zone with about two minutes left. And now you're still trying to get the ball back. And you're still trying to get a touchdown. So it just makes no sense. I don't. Maybe there could be an argument if kicking the field goal made it a three point game, then there is some kind of added incentive as to kicking the field goal versus versus going it on fourth and goal. But it just makes no sense to me. And obviously that late flag that it was a late flag, but it still was a flag. Um, So, yeah, Brady's 10th trip to the Super Bowl. Uh, Rodgers is pissed. He threw Matt LaFleur under the bus after the game, saying that it wasn't his decision. It was Matt's. He's uncertain about returning to the Packers. I don't blame the guy. Yes, they've had two sensational seasons since firing Mike McCarthy and bringing in Matt LaFleur, but it's two straight NFC Championship games that have been lost. He's now one in four in NFC Championship games uh it's just it's tainting his legacy in my opinion he's the greatest not the greatest not the greatest tom brady is the greatest quarterback of all time but aaron Rodgers, in my opinion is the best quarterback of all time in terms of pure talent in terms of pure ability i'm still riding with aaron Rodgers, and he showed it this year he's this year's league mvp there's no debate about it there's no question it's Rodgers with how his offense has has been playing with all that considered why didn't you go for it on fourth and goal it boggles my mind so tom brady was 20 of 36 for 280 yards three touchdowns and three interceptions oh my it's just it just makes absolutely no sense it I this is going to be a game that the Packers will remember for a while um they're they're going to remember it for a while and um yeah so will the Buccaneers but man, the, the Packers have some tough t- have had some tough postseason losses in recent years and uh, more on Aaron Rodgers Reaching this successive NFC championship game apparently did not eliminate any questions about his long-term future with the Green Bay Packers. Quote, a lot of guys' futures, they're uncertain, myself included, Rogers told reporters following the loss. Uh, so as Matt Schneidman tweeted, quote, Aaron Rodgers used the words future, finality, and gutted multiple times. He also just finished his presser thanking all the writers for their questions all year. He says he'll be thank He says he's he says he'll always be thankful for this season. Says thank you again. And then his press conference ended. That sounds a lot like somebody that's done with that team. I'm not sure where he's gonna go, but that sounds quite a bit. Perhaps maybe the San Francisco 49ers, that's where he's from. Um, it's crazy. He signed through 2023 and he played, he was sensational this year. It was arguably the best season of his career at his age. He led the league in completion percentage at 70.7% and touchdowns with 48 while throwing for 4,299 yards. Obviously, not many interceptions. Um, Packers head coach, Matt LaFleur told reporters he is quote sure as hell. He sure as hell hopes Rogers returns and the future hall of famer better be back here. Uh He's under contract. He's 37 years old. Um, And I'm sure he did not forget how green Bay traded up in the first round of the 2020 draft to select his replacement in Jordan love rather than a player who could help the franchise while it still has a wide open championship window with him. Perhaps that was to light a fire under Rogers' ass, but perhaps this might bite the ass of the Packers in the long run. Um, Man, um, it would be very, very weird and almost upsetting. I mean, I'm a Rams fan, but it would be upsetting, to be honest, to see Aaron Rodgers in a in a uniform that's, that's not the Packers. It would be very strange and, and almost upsetting, I have to say. Transitioning to more football. Greg Olson, who was a three-time Pro Bowler with the Carolina Panthers, is retiring after 14 seasons in the NFL. He played his final season with the Seattle Seahawks this season. He announced his decision on Fox's pregame show on Sunday. On Saturday, the network announced he would join the pregame show as a special guest. He later posted a statement on his Twitter account about his decision to retire. In July, the tight end reportedly finalized the deal with Fox Sports to serve as its number two analyst, the move that he originally was going to make before joining the Seahawks on a one-year contract worth $7 million. After a fairly quiet season in Seattle where he posted 239 yards on 24 receptions through 11 games, he closed out his career ranked 5th in receiving yards with over 8,600 and receptions with 742 by tight end in the Super Bowl era and his 60 touchdowns ranked 8th, so obviously an all-time great tight end um spent many years with the Carolina Panthers some with the Chicago Bears to start off his career but he's a legend and um I'm very excited to see him very excited to see him as um an analyst very excited to see that we now know the Super Bowl 55 matchup it'll be Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs the defending champions against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers what a matchup it's a salivating one arguably the best quarterback right now in Patrick Mahomes against the greatest quarterback of all time in Tom Brady, Kansas city clinched a spot in the super bowl with a 38 to 24 win over the Buffalo bills in the AFC championship game. What a win for the Buffalo bills. They look flat in the game against the chiefs, but for a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 1995, you know, having a decent performance against the chiefs in the AFC championship game, what a season it was for the bills. Uh, their fans are amazing. They waited until 3. AM uh, to, to welcome the team back to Buffalo at the airport. I mean, they're all, Bills fans are awesome, but the Chiefs were just too much to overcome. Patrick Mahomes with the Patrick Mahomes like game twenty nine of thirty eight, three hundred twenty five yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Travis Kelsey caught two touchdowns, had a great game himself. But what a matchup! I'm personally going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs to repeat as Super Bowl champions. I think I have to say I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. I thought that they would exit the playoffs early. Uh, they were looking pretty sluggish in the regular season, having losing to the Las Vegas. Yes, they were fourteen and two, but they lost to the Va- the Vegas Raiders. They had unnecessarily close games with teams like the Miami Dolphins and Atlanta Falcons. They just didn't look like Lance that they didn't look like last year's Kansas City Chiefs team that won the Super Bowl. But boy, did they prove me wrong in the playoffs? They are, they are a very, very good team. Um technically it's gonna be a road game for them as Tampa Bay is hosting it. But I think this is gonna be a win. I think this is gonna be a win for the Chiefs. I'll be cheering for the Chiefs. I'm not gonna lie. I'd rather see Patrick Mahomes win his second ring than Tom Brady win his seventh. Uh, Tom Brady is great. Um, he's he's the kind of guy that I I don't particularly like, but the guy is just he, you can't help but res, but respect the aura, the greatness, the just the will to get it done. Doing what he's doing at 43 years old, um, it's sensational. Now let me let me cover this. I'm going to transition back real quick, um, back real quick to Matt Lafleur and his decision to kick the football. So let's see let's see what he had to say. Let's see what Mr. LaFleur had to say. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> I mean as a Rams fan I'd welcome him back. You know I think I I think I um talked about uh, Matt LaFleur enough. Let's let's transition to uh something else from the Bills Bills and Chiefs game that I think is worth mentioning.